Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Again, we continually get new invites or new likes and new viewings as a result of what you do. Again, we don't care whether you're on your social media right now at this time. Once I give you the okay and the green light, you can do that. But beyond that, I'm giving you 30 seconds. And beyond that, I better not see you on your phone. All right? <laughs> no, but that makes a huge difference when you check in because people's lives are being changed just through something so simple as Facebook or uh, Twitter or things of that nature. So thank you and welcome to the online audience. So glad that you're tuning in, hoping that your holiday has been great as well and that this day will change your life as well as you hear. Amen. Well, obviously this past week was what? Thanksgiving, right? Now let me just simply ask a question. Now I know I have been purposing to kind of get streamlined and been doing real good. In fact, uh, Sid, she came over to our house just a couple weeks ago to watch her kids when we went to this little shindig thing. And I got my dress clothes on, and she says, wow, you've lost a lot of weight. And I would have taken it as a compliment if she didn't say it with such surprise. And like, (laughs) she said it kind of like with a gasp, you know. Oh, <laughs> so it really made me self-conscious. I, you know, I'm thinking, yes, I've been losing some weight, but man, I must have really been big before. So wow. But anyways, that being said, uh, all this time of eating and just cheating, I, I've, I've been able to notice I've put on a couple pounds. Can anybody say amen? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know that we've all felt this. In fact, somebody said Wednesday night. Uh, it's Wednesday night. It's time to set your scale back 10 pounds. And so... <laughs> So I, I didn't do that, but it's still kind of bothering me, but nevertheless. Well, when it came to Thanksgiving, now this might be more applicable to the ladies of the house. Maybe you men are, are ones that cook with, within the home as well. But how many of you got up early or maybe stayed up late Wednesday and got up early Thursday morning and started preparing the meal? Anybody, any, anybody raise your hand if that was you. I mean, you just went to town because of all the, their hands all over, right? We just, we, we thought, man, we got to put on a good spread. My wife did a phenomenal job. It was just us five. And so, but nevertheless, you get up early and you do what you have to do to just have a good time with family and friends and just have some good food, right? Now, what about Black Friday? Did anybody brave Black Friday, whether it was maybe into Thursday night or maybe uh, Friday morning? Did you stand in line? Did you get out there? Anybody? Raise your hands if you got out in the crowds. Really? All the ladies are raising their hands. Yeah. So a lot of people got out into all that stuff, man. I I just can't get into that mess, man. It just is too frantic and... I mean, just my personality, I'd hit somebody. So, you know, and then they would say, aren't you that pastor? Aren't you that guy? So anyways, I just don't want to get into that uh, frustration and temptation. So anyways, well, why don't we just get real spiritual here before we get uh, in the flesh and let's pray. All right, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to come together this morning. God, we thank you that our lives are being changed. We thank you that, Lord, you have a message that is a word in season for us this morning. 
God, whether we're here for the first time or whether this is church home, God, we thank you that this is a message that will change our lives and begin to set the course of things that are ahead. So we thank you in advance and expect it in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You know, I was uh, listening to a, a pastor that I know. Uh, he pastors a church down in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, he was sharing this story of he and his wife, and they were, you know, they were developing a church, or they got a huge church now, but this was a few years back. And he said they began to assemble a team, and, and a lot of the team that was with them was people that were uh, part of their ministry. And he says they, they put together a mission trip to go overseas, and it was kind of a third world, world country as to where they were going to go over and just share the gospel. And he said, you know, we had kind of our stellar leadership that was going with us and so he said we're sitting there on the plane we're over the atlantic ocean or wherever they were at and he said all of a sudden he said this turbulence began to just shake rattle and roll the plane and he said it was terrifying and he said it went on and and i don't know if they lost a lot of altitude and they descended or whatever the case was but he said it was it was really a a severe case of 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 turbulence and he says the one guy that was right next to him was kind of like the pillar guy of his church that you know he you thought that he was like the the stellar christian and he said in the midst of all the turbulence he said he grabbed his chair and he began to stand up and he thought oh dear god he thinks we're going down and he's thinking so spiritual that he's going to start preaching the gospel to everybody on this plane and therefore if this is the last moment the last breath that they breathe he's going to teach him and preach jesus before we die and he says he grabbed onto his chair and he said he stood up and he said he started screaming bleep bleep blankety blank 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 bleep and he said he just began to cuss and swear like you would believe he said this was the guy that I thought was just a stellar Christian in my life. And he says, as he's cussing, everybody's looking at him. And then he said that the plane leveled out and the turbulence stopped. (laughs) He sat back down and obviously looked very embarrassed. And he said he pulled him to the side afterwards. He says after a couple days into the trip, he pulled him to the side. He says, listen, on the way home, if we have any turbulence, just make make sure that the last thing you say is something about Jesus, okay? (laughs) Anyways, the point of sharing that that story with you is that when the pressures of life come, remember last week we talked about giving up our cares, I'm giving up to God, and the pressures of life, when the pressure of life comes, what do you revert to and how do you act? Do you, when you feel the pressure of life, and when people are around you, and if people weren't knowing that you were a Christian or that you went to church, what would they think beyond the time that you experienced a major pressure in your life? Would they think, dear God, I've never heard anybody talk that way before. Or would they look at you and they say, wow, I'm just amazed at how you handle the pressure of life because of just your example. Well, you realize that all of us have this opportunity of responding one side or the other, right? And in this series, I give up. We're talking about the power of surrender. And in this world that seems so busy and so hectic, and it seems as though it's hard to find time for anything, especially finding time for God, my challenge for us today is to give up to God all that we are 
to serve God and to serve Him with everything that we are. And as we purpose to say, God, I'm going to give up to you all that I am, it will create space in your life. Did you hear me? I said, it will create space. We were talking with somebody just this past week, and they were talking about just as they've begun to walk with God, and they've not been walking with God all that long as far as this season that they're in and the way that they're doing it. But they said, as a result of purposing to walk with God, I would have never expected that I have as much time as I have. And I'm involved in the church and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I got a promotion at work and I'm working more hours and I got kids and I got husband and all this other stuff. But she said, I find myself having more time than ever before because I purpose to give up me to God. And as a result, she creates space for her life. And so I want to challenge us this morning. The purpose to give God something to work with. Now you might be familiar with this fellow. His name is Noah. Anybody know who Noah is? All of our kids uh, seem to know Noah really well. Um, Every time we ask them, did you do that? Noah. As they get older, they just say no. But for whatever reason, when they were little, it was always Noah. My little boy, he's still in that. Did you make that mess? Noah. <laughs> but anyway, that's not the Noah we're talking about. This guy by the name of Noah. Anybody familiar with this story of Noah and the ark? Yeah. The story of Noah and the ark, the Bible tells us that God gave him a mission. Gave him a purpose of life. And he says, listen, he says, people have grown wicked in their heart. And he says, I want you to build a boat. And he says, as a result, if anybody will turn their hearts and repent, he says, they can escape the judgment. He said, but if they don't, he says, they'll be lost forever. And the Bible actually tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was in right standing with God. And so his heart and his message was to give himself to God and said, God loves you. Will you surrender to him? And the Bible tells us that roughly between 55 and 75 years it took for him to build that boat. And you realize when it comes to God giving you a mission, it takes help, right? And wouldn't it have been a whole lot easier if he had some help? All he had was his sons. He had three boys and they were there to help him on the boat. In fact, if he was able to have anybody else help him build this ark, it would have maybe got done a little bit faster. But he ended up doing it by himself. God gave him a mission. Gave him a purpose. For you and I, do you realize that God has given you a mission? Has given you a purpose? In fact, right in the very beginning when God made man, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So in other words, God says, he doesn't want us to do life by ourselves. Obviously, God was talking in the context of marriage. But just in this life, God doesn't want us to do life by ourselves, right? And just as he gave Noah a mission, a ministry to help save people from judgment and the eternal separation from God, God has given each and every one of us a mission, a purpose, a ministry. If you're a child of God, if you've received Christ into your life, you are a minister, now, I know popular opinion says, well, that's just you, Pastor. You're, you're the preacher. That's not me. 
Now listen, that's a misconception. Every individual is a minister and has a ministry. If you're breathing breath, if you receive Christ, you are a minister and God has given you a purpose and God has given you a ministry and a mission to fulfill. You may say, what is my ministry? Everybody has a ministry. Your life matters because it's it's there to change somebody else's life. Your life matters to change somebody else's life for an eternal purpose. Are you here this morning? Why has God blessed you with children? Because there's a ministry of being a mom and a dad. And you're going to make an eternal purpose or change or an effect in their life. Just simply being a mom and a dad. And as we said, you can't do life by yourself. And obviously when it comes to ministry... If you have a ministry, you can't fulfill your purpose and your ministry by yourself. God says it's not good for man to be alone. You'll never reach your potential until you connect with the people that are around you because the people that are around you have what you need to fulfill what God's called you to do. Did you hear me? I said the people at your workplace, your family, the people that you go to church with, God takes this very seriously. How many times do we come in and out of church? We barely know the people that we sit next to. We say hi and bye. But in other, for us to accomplish our ministry, our purpose, we've got to do it together. And therefore, it's important for us to get to know and begin to do life with those people that are sitting right next to you. You might say, well, I don't like that person on that side. Well, then turn to the other side. There's got to be somebody on the other side that you like, all right? But they have something that you need. You can't do life by yourself and they have something that will help you achieve what God's put in you. Can you say amen? Amen. We've got to begin to do life together. It's important to know that who you're going to, or I should say, it's important to know who you're going to do life with. This isn't something that we should take lightly. Because all of hell will fight you concerning your relationships. He'll try to separate you. He'll try to get you divided. He'll get you to to a position where you're not connected. Why? Because in order for us to achieve what God's called us to do, it's going to take people. The people at your work, your friends, your family. If we can accomplish that, nothing can stop us. If the enemy can accomplish from keeping us from developing relationships, then nothing else matters. We've got to grow together. We've got a purpose to give ourselves to God and to one another because he's got a purpose and a plan. Well, how does this take place? In Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, it says this. It says, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. How is it that we're going to develop this ministry this purpose to change people's lives by coming together and getting on the same page having the same heart the same mind loving one another and get behind the same purpose your purpose and my purpose are the same there might be different activities but it's the same purpose right amen amen First Corinthians chapter three, verse eight says this, the one who plants and the one who waters works together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. See, when it comes to this whole church thing and God thing, 
we think it's all about the reward. Well, if I do this, God will do this. And we think that the receiving of the reward is the important thing. But God didn't put the importance on the reward. He said there is the individual that waters and plants together. So in other words, every person has a specific place and a part to play. But God says, you do your part, you do your part, and both of you get rewarded. Come on, are you here this morning? It's not just about receiving the reward or the harvest of planting and watering. He says the reward is when you do your part the harvest and the reward just comes as a result of your faithfulness. God wants us to build an ark. Your purpose, my purpose, our mission is to build an ark. And that ark is the local church. We are ambassadors and speakers of righteousness to begin to share the love of God with people so that they'll come into this ark and find a relationship with Jesus. Amen? But how are people going to come? What needs to take place within the ark for people to say, I want to be there? It involves creating an environment. I'm going to talk about some practical things here. And then we're going to look at it from the spiritual side. But first of all, when it comes to building the ark or the place called church, where we give up to God to see that fulfilled, the first thing that needs to have or that we need to have within a church is trust. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 6 says this. Many will say that they are loyal friends. But who can find one who is truly reliable? Man, hasn't church got such a bad name or a bad reputation concerning this very thing? God says we've got to be loyal. We've got to be trustworthy. How does that take place? By being consistent. By being consistent, by being predictable. For individuals, you know, back in the day, you could get a loan just simply by your word. Whatever happened to the days where our word is our bond? Our yes is our yes and our no is no. But today, it's like, well, if it's convenient. Right? God desires for us to be committed. To be consistent. You don't know how it blesses me to see people that are consistently in church. Because I know the reward that's coming as a result of your faithfulness and consistency. There are relationships and friendships that are established as a result of consistency. Right? People long to see your face. When people are gone for a few weeks, people start asking me, Hey, what about so-and-so? It's like, why are you asking me? Why don't you call them? Why don't you go love on them, man? You know what I mean? I don't, I'm not being hard. I'm just saying, when you're gone, people miss you. Why? Because we begin to do life together. And in the consistency of even you being at church, it begins to create an atmosphere of trust. In Luke chapter 16, it says, if you're trusted with little, you'll be trusted with much. In other words, if you're faithful with the little things, God will trust you for the bigger things. I mean, people look at ministry and they think it's all so glamorous and, you know, all the preaching in front of people. I like to do that. Do you know what it takes to get to the place of where you're leading? Consistency. Doing the small things long enough to where God promotes you. Doing the small things consistently enough that other people don't want to do and God begins to promote you. There was a pastor friend that 
that we know down in Birmingham, Alabama. He was the associate pastor of, uh, of the church that he was down in Louisiana. And the pastor got a, a TV station. And, and uh, they were so excited about it because they got some airtime and it was going to do wonders for their church and just a daily live program. And so this associate pastor, he came to the station and just was there to support. He said, I had the day off, but I just wanted to come and just show my pastor support and be there. And so all of a sudden he said, everybody started getting real frantic and saying, where is the guest? Because there was this big attorney that was there in, in town and they were going to interview him. And so they called him and says, where are you at? And he says, well, I'm running a little bit behind. They said, it's a live program. He says, I thought we were taping, so I didn't think it would matter if I'm a little bit late. But he says, no, we're starting in four minutes. So everybody's panicking. And they're like, well, what are we going to do? Three minutes. And so this associate pastor went up and talked to his pastor. And the pastor says to him, he says, hey, he says, you're going to be my guest. He said, I'm going to be your guest. He said, what are we going to talk about? He said, I don't know. <laughs> See, God will direct us. And he said, I just showed up for moral support. And all of a sudden, now I end up being the special guest on the program. Two minutes. He's like, oh, dear God. He says, what are we going to talk about? And he said, the pastor sitting there. He's praying. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> One minute, five, four. And so the pastor says, hello, welcome to this, whatever the name of the program was. He says, and here's my co-host and named him by name. He said, I went from being just a spectator that came in on my day off to support my pastor. Then I went to being the, 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 the guest that was going to be on the program to the guest uh, or co-host person on the program. He says, I did that for five and a half years. As a result, it got me so much publicity, publicity, people knowing me. I would go into the store, he said, and people would say, aren't you that guy? And he said, little did I know that the faithfulness, the consistency of serving my pastor day in and day out, things that people didn't know about, things that people didn't want to do. I just served my pastor faithfully. And he says, God began to promote me. And for five and a half years, he said, I got publicity free publicity on tv and then when they started their own church he said people knew who i was in six years they grew a church to ten thousand people i mean that's a freak of nature but you see how god was beginning to do things and it's like well wow wouldn't it be great to pastor a church that big why don't you do what he did to serve and be faithful when people don't see it but it's just god amen you doing okay? All right. The, the, the next thing is, is being confidential. How are we going to grow a church? How are we going to impact people's lives? How are we going to develop an art for people to come and say, that's the kind of church that I want to be a part of? Being confidential. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 13, it says, A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. People want to come here knowing that if they expose their heart, that they can be trusted or you can be trusted, that there is an atmosphere of confidence. Once again, one of the greatest things that churches are known for are the gossips. The gossip sessions, right? People want to know that when I come to church, I can be trusted with what I have in my heart. Creating an atmosphere for people to be welcomed. The, the next one is... We have to get close. This goes right along with getting to know those people that you're around. We have to get close. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 says, A friend loves at all time, but a brother is born from adversity. It's those hard things of life that draw you close together, but we've got to get close. Do you realize that people stink? And I'm talking about their stuff. People's lives are messy. Right? 
but you've got to get close in order to love on them. I've got a friend that I went to high school with. He doesn't walk with God. He doesn't know Jesus. I continually invite him to church and be able to share my heart. But for the last 30 years, we have been closest friends. And it was because of one particular event. We always were friends and hung out together. But of all the friends that I had in high school that we ran around together, this guy has remained one of my closest friends. And the reason being is because there was a hardship time in my life that he was there and vice versa. This is one, one of those times when I wasn't really walking with God, but I was going through some hard times. And we were at a party, and I'm off by myself. And he comes over and he talks to me. He says, man, what's going on? And I just start bawling. He puts his arm around me, and he starts bawling with me. And I just expose my heart, and then he starts telling me his. His parents were getting divorced. Why am I saying that? You've got to get close with people. You've got to be able to hurt with people that are hurting. You've got to be able to cry with people that are crying. When we get close to the mess, that's when we begin to help people and help them come out of the place where they're at. The next thing is that we have to slow down. We have to slow down. We miss the details when we go too fast. Have you ever flown in an airplane? You know, you get a certain altitude. You can see things down there, but you don't see a whole lot of detail, right? When we're moving so fast in life, we miss a lot of details. Those that are going on around you, your family, yourself. We say we're too busy. Listen, you are too busy to be too busy. I went over to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania just a couple weeks ago to visit with a, a mentor friend of mine, a pastor friend. And as we're talking, he was asking me about my kids. And he asked their age. And I told him their age. And he says, you're okay then. He said, they're not messed up beyond repair. He says, you're in a good place. I'm serious. Not that I was having problems with my kids. I'm just saying, life is hard. Ministry is brutal. And he says, your kids are still okay. Just purpose to go slow enough to walk with them that they don't get lost. Don't miss out on the details concerning your children by getting too busy. We think that we're being real, giving attention to detail through all the busyness. But the busyness has a way of distracting Amen? Amen. The next one is to be accommodating. What does it mean to be accommodating? We just accommodate anything? No, we accommodate people so that they have space to come in and grow. What does that mean? We accommodate people and give people the permission to make mistakes. Are you here this morning? I said we give people to make mis- permission to make mistakes. You may, you may say, well, making mistakes is a bad thing. Yes, it's a bad thing. We don't want people to go through the junk of life. But we've got to have a safe place where we can have permission to fail. Are you here this morning? Because there are going to be times that we fail, that you fail. And if all it is is a critical environment that says, well, you shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't do that. Then we begin to recluse and pull away from the family where there should be love and acceptance, where God can begin to help us. Amen. And to be honest with you, I want to be in a place where you can blow it. Because as a pastor, there's going to be times that I blow it. And I hope that you don't hold me to such a standard that i got to be like God in order to be that guy. We've got to be able to grow 
through the mistakes. Not being content and staying there, but growing. Amen? And then the last part here is simply, we've got to have a mission. We've got to have a purpose. We're together to make a difference. And we're all different to make a difference. Have you ever noticed that there are some quirky people in church? Don't look at anybody. Just We, <laughs> we are all different to make a difference. And God has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for my life. And, <clears throat> and God wants us to begin to assemble a team that will build an ark for the sake of changing people's lives. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking for people that don't want to just do church, but want to do life together and make a difference in this community. I'm not content coming together and just doing the church thing. Because you can do the church thing and still go to hell. That was a good place to say amen. I have a desire for people's lives to be different. Do you realize that any team that comes together, they don't come together for the sake of just playing. They play to win. I want to play together, enjoy our time together. But there's a goal, there's a mission, there's a purpose. And that is to win. Too many people have given up and have quit playing the game. And we have Flint looking the way that it does. We can be a team that changes it. Amen? We can be the people that build an ark for people to say, I want to be a part of something like that. Noah had a mission to build a boat. It took him over a year after the storms came. Do you realize that most people think that it was just 40 days and for 40 nights and then they got off the boat? No, it rained for 40 days and for 40 nights, but they were on the boat for a year. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, being cooped up with your husband and wife for a whole year in a boat with all the smells. Oh, dear God, it stinks in here. And she's like, well, yeah, why don't you clean up that pile? <laughs> Come on. I mean, it, it's, it's some rough environment and circumstances, right? I mean, the, the task and the job and all that goes in, into making it happen. What do you think about a church? As we said, it, it's messy. It stinks. People's lives have trouble. But we're there to help them. And I don't want to just do life with you for a short season. I want to do life together until Jesus comes home. Amen. Now, if you remember that story of Noah, there came a point in a time where he let out a raven. And now this is where I'm going to pivot to talk from a spiritual perspective. Because if we don't get this part right, everything else that I just said doesn't matter. The Bible tells us that Noah let out a raven to find out if there was anything out there. And the Bible tells us that the raven just flew and flew and flew and flew. Here and there and he never came back. That raven represents humanity. Or just doing things in the arm of our flesh. Doing things our way. But then the Bible says he let out a dove. And the dove represents God or the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is our helper, is our comforter. He gives us directions. He shows us what to do and how to do it and gives us 
the how-to for the mission of our life. But unfortunately, as we come together and we say, God, I want a, I want a part of you. God, I want you in my life. But all the while, we've got all these ravens in our life. Whether it's friendships, whether it's habits and lifestyles, or whether it's just the things that we get so distracted with life. God, I want you. God, I want you to direct me. God, I want you to fulfill those passions in my heart. But there's all this stuff that's distracting us and leading us down a wrong path of life. And the Bible says this, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death or destruction. Now, we always take it to the side of like, well, don't do the wrong thing because, you know, God will slap you upside the head, so do the right thing. But I'm convinced that there are a lot of people that go to church, do the church thing, and they're not even aware that they're on the wrong path. I want God, but man, I've got all this stuff, all these ravens in my life. And I'm on a wrong path. And I want the result, but I'm on the wrong path. And we don't even know it. God wants us to get to a place where we get rid of the ravens in our life. Whether it's friendships, whether it's lifestyle, whether it's whatever, you name it. So, a church word that you don't hear very often these days is coming to a place of repentance. Of saying, God... I give up myself. I give it all to you. I give you my desires. I give you everything so that I can begin to experience the life that you've so desired for me to have. If you remember, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came back. Does anybody remember what he had in his mouth? He had an olive branch. You know what the olive branch represents? It means peace. When we say, God, I'm going to surrender and give up to you to allow the Holy Spirit to direct my life, we will begin to experience peace like never before. When we say, God, I want to know the right thing. I want to do the right thing. I want to fulfill this mission. I don't want to be distracted. I want to do what you've called me to do. Now listen to me. I know every person in this place would say, I don't have enough time. There's always something that you say, I can't do it because of this and because of that. Listen, you went out on Black Friday, got up early, fought through the crowd just to get that stinking TV or whatever it was, and you paid the price and sacrificed yourself because you were stuffed and you stayed up like the night before, but you did what you had to do because of something in the natural. You had people that you wanted to serve, so you got up early when everybody else was in bed, and you made the food just to feed this fat flesh. You did something. That caused you to sacrifice. You'll do what you want to do. There's time for what you make a priority. And God's saying, will you give up you to me? Will you just let me use you? Will you open your heart to be open? Because I want to do something significant in your life. Jesus is the answer. He's the peace. He's the comfort. He's the salvation. 
You need healing in your body? Jesus is the healer. You need provision in your life? Jesus is the provision or the one that brings the provision. You need sanity of mind? He is the one that brings comfort. You need peace in your marriage? He is the prince of peace. Jesus is the answer. But listen, when it came to Noah, grace is what kept him. But obedience is what moved him forward. God's saying, will you surrender? Will you simply repent? Will you give me your life and say, God, I give it up to you. There is a power of surrender. And you'll find that your life is empowered to do more than you ever thought you could do. When you finally say, God, I give you me. Amen. Can we stand? With every head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to encourage you this morning. If for any reason you heard this message of being hard, that is not the intent and that is not the heart behind it. God is never in a position of being angry or being upset with you. God is not a hard God. But He loves you so much. And He's just asking for you. Have you found yourself coming to the place in life where you're just ready to give Him all of you? I know that there's some under the sound of my voice. You've been struggling with frustrations of life. You've said, oh, it's because of the lack of money. You've said, oh, it's because of spouse because of the kids you've looked to have a scapegoat and blame everything else but you'll never experience the peace, the comfort and the satisfaction of life until you come to know Jesus and surrender all he's just waiting And if you've said, well, I've walked with God and life seems to be okay. I promise you, it can be so much better. There's a great deception of being distracted in this time and the hour in which we're living. But God's looking for a people that say, I want to serve God all of my heart all of my mind and all of my strength I'm looking for a people that will say pastor let's change the world let's start with us let's start with our home our marriage, our family let's be the example if there was ever a time and a season to be thankful it's right now God so loved us. Before the worship team leads us in the last song of worship, I just want to pray for you.
not going to give an invitation because this invitation or just what I'm going to pray for should be every single person. And so I'm going to pray that God just messes up your world right now. (laughs) Get ready. Because he's going to mess you up. (laughs) Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. The online campus, the people that are here present, in Jesus' name, I pray that there is such an awakening within our hearts to run after you, to seek your face, to repent with everything that we're in, to turn from the past, to turn from the things that distract us, weigh us down, to hold us back. God, we give it up to you right now. God, I thank you. I thank you that, Lord, in these days and these weeks ahead, for the remainder of 2015, that, God, there is a stirring and a wrestling within our hearts. And, God, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because, Lord, you're stirring us to take a step closer to you, to discover our ministry and our purpose, that we're doing life together, getting messy and dirty together. God, even making mistakes together, but God moving forward. So, God, I thank you that as right now we extend and give ourselves to you, you're extending the olive branch to us. That the peace of God that passes all understanding is filling our homes, our church. That, God, you're directing our path. That we're not leading, leaning onto our own strength or our own ideas surrendering and giving ourselves up to you. In Jesus' name, everyone say Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, and loving life.